0: Upsal, smile for the camera on Island 1069 WIIS Key West. Good morning, Gwen Filosa. in with you. For it's Too Early, that's the name of the show. Thank you all for joining me. Uh, up there, you heard Soul Asylum did Bitter Sweetheart and the National Parks. I can feel it. Going to go ahead and bring my guest up. I'm super excited to have her on the show. Since 1992, she's run the Tampa-based nonprofit Big Cat Rescue. She's an animal rights activist and the host of Cat Chat Show. And she became a household name, of course, with the Tiger King documentary on Netflix last year. Carol Baskin, Good morning.
1: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens!
0: Awesome, thank you. <laughs> I've been waiting for that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Is it too early for you? Is this a good time?
1: Well, this is a great name for the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is our that is our show. And um, now, um, your big cat rescue remains close to visitors. Correct.
1: It does. Even though we're vaccinated, there's no vaccine for the cats and they can contract it and die. So we just can't expose them.
0: Wow! And um, that must have been, I mean, how have you kept the kept the sanctuary going this past year?
1: It's been difficult because our tour revenue is about a million dollars of our three and a half to four million dollar budget. And so not having that money coming in has meant that I had to do things like Dancing with the Stars and Cameos and all kinds of other things to try and um, make money for that shortfall. Wow,
0: that, that sounds that sounds terrible. Um, get a, but thank you for all you do for the cats. Well, thank you.
1: That's, they are absolutely magnificent, and they deserve all of our support.
0: And um, I wanted to just jump right in and ask you the, the questions um, uh, about about Tiger King. We all watched it. It was lockdown just happened last year, and uh, Tiger King came out and made you this instant... A household name and, and um, star, but they're, they're uh, you, you've you called the 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 producers of that show liars, and you said it, it wasn't what you uh, signed on for.
1: Yeah, they told us they were working on a film called Stolen Wildlife that would be the blackfish or big cats. Did you see Blackfish? I haven't yet. But- it was a film that showed the abuse inherent in keeping killer whales, orcas in Seaquariums and Sea World and places like that. And when people saw the abuse, then they were not willing to support those kinds of industries. So for five years, that's what we thought we were working on with Tiger King, was something that would show how horrific the lives are for big cats in cages and that people would never support those kinds of industries again. But instead, you get the freak show that everybody watched during during
0: lockdown. What was it like when you when you finally saw the finished product, the documentary? What what, what what how did you react to that?
1: My reaction actually started before I saw it because we saw the trailers coming out for it. That Netflix said there was a show coming up, and we were like, "Who's doing that show?" Because that wasn't anything that we had been aware of that we were working on. And we sat down and binge watched it like everybody else did, and. You know, in August, the year before that, there was a Wondery podcast by a similar name that came out, similar subject. But what was different in the podcast was at the end of the podcast, the reporter said, but I, I wanted you to go on this same journey that I went through where I believed all these people who were telling all these lies, but here's what I found out to be the truth. And then he laid all, all of the truth out about how these animals were being exploited and how they were telling lies about me in order to divert attention away from the bad things they were doing. And so when we sat through Tiger King, we thought, okay, that's the same format that they're gonna follow. They just never got to the truth.
0: Wow, and and um, in, did you really tell them to, to lose your number when they approached you to do um, the, the number two documentary?
1: Yeah. Well, they Well, they said that they wanted to clear the air with me, and I just said, lose my number. You know, fool me once, shame on you but fool me twice, shame on me.
0: And um, it, it, what, what kind of response, I mean, did, did you, were you suddenly inundated with people calling Big Cat Rescue or people trying to get in touch with you after they saw the documentary?
1: That was probably the most shocking thing. My husband and I sat there and watched it. And at the end of it, we just looked at each other and said, well, that was a missed opportunity. Because what we were thinking is they had really missed the mark on protecting tigers and they could have done so much. And while we were sitting there thinking that, then my phone started ringing. And it rang like every two minutes for the three next three months straight. I mean, day and night with people just cursing and you know, saying they wanted to kill me and they wanted to kill my family and they wanted to kill the cats. And I'm like, why would you want to kill the cats? And they'd say, because they don't belong in cages. And it's like, how did you not get that about me? <laughs> How do you not understand that that's all we are about is ending the practice of keeping big cats in captivity. And clearly that, you know, I went back and watched it like seven more times because I was like, how did people come away with this kind of an idea? And how did they come away thinking that I killed my husband? That's such a ridiculous thing. And so after I watched it seven times, I was like, yeah, they did a really good job of painting that narrative. And so I did a website or a web page at bigcatrescue.org forward slash Netflix, where I went minute by minute through the film saying, when you saw this on the screen, here's the evidence that says, you know, that either that was wrong or here's how they took it out of context. And so as a result, things have changed and people are finally Educating themselves and finding out different than what they were led to believe. So, it's it's not like it was the first three months after it came out.
0: And, and the uh, Tiger King spent a lot of time, um, kind of, uh, you know, the, there are people making accusations about you that you were involved in murder. What what? How on earth did you react to that?
1: The people who abuse big cats have always used that tragedy in my family to divert attention away from the horrible things they're doing. And I think that the producers of Tiger King kind of did the same thing, because it seemed to me like they were trying to glamorize these people and say that they were animal lovers, and that they were just these quirky characters. And if you're trying to justify what they're doing, then you know, how do you how do you do that when you've got somebody saying, Look, they're killing these tigers They're taking them away from their moms, they're abusing them and then killing them. And so the only way to um, silence me is to say well you can't believe her because she's a murderer and I think that was the intent was to try and be as salacious as they possibly could and to make their their animal lover, as they would call them characters look like they were actually animal lovers
0: uh, they, obviously you you've you already knew about <clears throat> Joe Exotic he's someone that had been um, going after you, and it felt felt like he was a victim. Was there anything you learned about him after watching Tiger King that you didn't know, or was it kind of familiar?
1: Um, no, I wouldn't say there was a, there was anything that I learned about him. Um, I think what people thought they learned about him in Tiger King was certainly mistaken, and there have been better documentaries that have come out since talking to his family. And people around him, what what Tiger King really downplayed was the fact that not one person, not even Joe's mother, showed up at his trial as a character witness for him. There wasn't one person on this entire planet who thought this person was somebody that they would speak up to protect because of who he was. And yet that was not at all the kind of person that was portrayed in Tiger King.
0: And um, as everyone knows, he's doing 22 years in prison for um you know hiring someone to 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 kill you i mean but for he's also in there for a lot of other things too whenever uh, related to animals
1: yes there were i think 17 charges of wildlife trafficking and then of, um, of of actually killing tigers in order to make room for some circus tigers that he could make money off of the boarding space
0: and um, how do you feel about him now would would you um there was a story that i saw that 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 you might be interested in helping him if he agreed to certain things um do you think he should be let out
1: unfortunately people read the headlines and they don't read the stories sorry what i (laughs) well everybody has done this and uh like around the planet people have come away with that same idea because they didn't read the stories or, you know, read the actual words that I had said. But what I had said was, if he was looking for a pardon, which he was, that the kind of things that usually get you a pardon are by making amends for what you've done. And showing remorse for what you've done and so i said if he were to actually work with congress to pass the big cat public safety act which would end almost all of this abuse that you saw in tiger king if he was willing to work with them to get the bill passed into law this year and if he was willing to work with law enforcement to put behind bars all of these other people who were co-conspirators with him in the murder for hire and with all of the animal abuse and trafficking then i would think that he should benefit from a reduced sentence by participating in those ways and so he came out and said i'll call your bluff on that but the bill can't ban cupheading and it can't phase out private possession well that's the only two things the bill does (laughs) so it's like he
0: didn't
1: call my bluff on that and he didn't go to the law enforcement that i know of and help him anybody put all the rest of those guys behind bars so he hasn't done anything to do the kinds of things that he would have to do in order to even be worthy of a pardon.
0: Now you've been working on this legislation for, for a long, long time. Is it, is it going to happen? Do you think? I do. I'm I'm really excited. We thought it was going to happen
1: last year because um, we were just further along than we had ever been in the congressional path toward getting this bill turned into law. We've been working on this bill since the late nineties. And so we got a hearing before the whole house which was the first time ever we passed with a two-thirds majority vote and all it had to do was go over to the senate to be heard and it was in december that this all happened and they just ran out of time and it didn't happen so it was like oh great so we had to start all over in january but again we are still way further along at this point than we were then i think we've got something like over 170 co-sponsors in the house and 24 25 in the senate and so I do believe that it will become law this year that you can't pay to pet a cub and it'll phase out the private owners. So people that have them can keep them. They just have to register so that <laughs> that we actually know where they are because nobody even knows where they are currently. Mm. And then they can't buy or breed
0: more. Because I got to tell you, I learned a lot. I I'd had no idea about the, the petting and the caging and the uh, used as entertainment, the, the cats. And um, I, I I don't know. I think, I think it, uh, Tiger King did bring that to um to the public right i think it did with that one scene there was just one scene in there where
1: this mother tiger was giving birth and all of the guys at gw zoo were gathered around watching her and then they used that big metal hook and dragged that baby across the gravel and then squeezed it through the bars so that they could use it as a pay-to-play prop for people to pay to pet and I think the people who saw that just said, no, no way. This is not happening on my watch. And so it really has created a, a huge uprising against this whole cruel industry.
0: And and how, how is the entertainment industry doing right now? I mean, how do you feel when um, that they're handling the big cats and are they doing it right anymore? Or? I'm I'm really happy to see that most of Hollywood is using CGI
1: cats, and you guys may have seen that the uh, recent thing that they had with the zombie white tiger was actually patterned after one of our cats. If you have a computer-generated tiger, you can make it do whatever you want it to do, which is a whole lot better for Hollywood than dealing with a real tiger who kind of has its own mind about things Mm -hmm. and is not (laughs) easy to work with. So I'm really happy to see that Hollywood is moving away from using real animals and using these computer-generated ones that look every bit as real anymore.
0: And um what is it about the big cats? What drew you to them? I mean, uh what 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 is it I mean you've dedicated your life to to protecting them and, and caring for them. What what is it about them that, that you love?
1: It was never my intention to do anything with big cats. I didn't know anything about big cats. My passion was to save domestic cats and kittens from being killed in shelters due to overpopulation. But as a result of always being kind of in that world of being in vet's offices around a lot of domestic cats, I got involved when I was 17 with bobcat rehab and release. So if a bobcat gets injured or poisoned or shot, we will work to um, get that cat healthy and back into the wild. And it was a result of that that in 1992, when I was at an auction buying llamas, the guy next to me started bidding on a bobcat, and I leaned over and said, when that cat grows up, she's going to tear your face off because there is nothing mm. more wicked than a bobcat. I love them for that, but they are just, woof, they are vicious. And he said he was a taxidermist and that he was just going to club her in the head in the parking lot. And oh. so I start yeah, I started crying and my husband started bidding and we brought her home and that led us on this path to learning that these cats were being raised for their fur which is no longer happening in the u.s anyway and because we bought out all the fur farms back in the 90s and all of these um, designers have now come forward it's like 2018 but most of the designers had decided to go fur free which was great and people understand now these animals shouldn't be in circus acts. That almost never happens anymore. Hollywood has given up the idea of using real cats. So the only real holdout now are these zoos or these petting operations.
0: Wow, and, and how many big cats do you have uh, at the at the rescue? We have right around 50. That number changes because
1: we have bobcats who do come in and go out when the uh, rehab and release program. So we've got three that are in there currently so I think it's right around 50 or so
0: and final question I promise are you a dog person I'm not I'm afraid of dogs okay okay I understand I understand um Carol Baskin you you got the cat chat show and uh the big cat rescue thank you so much I have. have you been to Key West have you been down here I love the Keys.
1: In fact, I used to go to the Keys like once every three years to have a nervous breakdown. I'd just lay in a hammock and cry for three days straight. And as soon as I got that out of my system, I could come back to Tampa and take on all of these challenges again.
0: Wow, well, that's what we all do down here, Carol. (laughs) When we get our rent bill, we we have breakdowns. Uh, You've been great. I hope we can have you back on sometime.
1: Great, thank you, Quinn.
0: Well, enjoy your day and um, take care. Stay cool. All right. Bye <laughs> bye. And um, yeah, Carol Baskin, y'all. Um, thanks for tuning in this morning and listening. I'm here weekdays at 8.15, 15. And uh, It's Too Early is the name of the show. It, it's always a little too early for me. Going to come back with um, some headlines and your weather forecast. We're going to play a song, though, right now because we play the best alternative rock on Island 1069. This is The Orphan, The Poet with the Moxie. Stick around, everyone. Two-step, mama, late, fever, shake. I'm like a juice up, tired away every day.